Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. This morning we're going to be in Genesis. We're continuing our series on what we've called Living the Dream, a study on the life of Joseph. Joseph was the favorite of the 12 sons of Jacob, which became the 12 tribes of Israel. Israel, the nation today that's in the news in that, the conflict in the Gaza Strip there, and uh, that, that is the same Israel. So Joseph is one of those tribes. His dad is the one that Israel's named after. We've walked through this. We're in chapter number 40. If you don't have a copy of God's Word with you, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you. I'd encourage you to grab it. We'll look at a few verses this morning, and I'll walk us through covering 80 verses of Scripture this morning um, as far as the story goes. And And so we continue in this series on Joseph living the dream. And we entitled entitled this Living the Dream because Joseph was known as a dreamer. Just a little reminder where we're at in Scripture so we have some context. Joseph, it was his brothers called him the dreamer. Why? Because when he was a teenager, God gave him a dream. He had a literal dream, and he woke up and interpreted it that one day all of his brothers were going to bow down and worship him. Sounds like a brother, doesn't it? Most brothers have that dream at some point. And so he had this dream that they were all going to, and one day he would be in charge. Well, needless to say, how many of you have a younger brother? Let me see. Let me see if you have a younger brother. How many of you would not appreciate your younger brother saying, one day you're going to serve and worship me, like I'm going to be in charge? And, And no, you're not. You're the younger brother. Know your place, right? And so, so he he, 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 the, the brothers did not appreciate that. So one fateful day when Joseph was 17 years old, he was coming to check on his brothers at the behest of his father. And his brothers said, behold, the dreamer cometh. Look, here he comes. Look at that little punk. Hey, let's kill him. And they, they hatched a plan to literally kill him that day. And then one of the brothers said, hey, if we kill him, what good is it for us? Why don't we sell him into slavery? At least we can make a few bucks. And so they sold him into slavery to the Egyptians. Some brothers, right? Some of you are like, I had brothers like that. And, and they sold him into slavery to the Egyptians. So now we have a 17-year-old, and, and that was message, that was the first message, or one of the first messages in this series from chapter 37, when the dream looks like a nightmare. And, and he's in Egypt now. We have a lonely, uh, uh, isolated teenage boy living as property, as a slave to the government of Egypt, a place that was, was, was very little worship, if any, worship of the God of the Bible in this place, a different culture, different food, different language, all of these things. So this is this 17-year-old here. That was message from, uh, the, the message from chapter 37. Then last Sunday night, we saw that God began to bless Joseph. And they realized the Lord was with this guy. There's something different about this guy. By the way, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, there should be something different about you in your life. And people should see something different. There's something different about this guy. Joseph in his early 20s began to rise up the ranks and he was given some responsibility and then given some more responsibility. And before he knew it, he was the right-hand man to the right-hand man of, of, the, of Pharaoh. He was the right-hand man to Potiphar. 
And Potiphar trusted Joseph completely. This is an amazing guy. You, you run all of my business, run my family, run all, you know, take care of all my, my affairs. Well, so things are going good in Egypt. But the problem was Potiphar's wife also thought Joseph was an amazing guy. But she had different ideas. She had more sinister purposes. And Joseph's, uh, Potiphar's wife had the, the idea to have an illicit, immoral relationship with Joseph. And as a young man in his early to mid-20s, on a daily basis, this powerful woman sought to seduce him. And Joseph was a, a man of character. He was a man that loved God. And as a young man facing great temptation, the Bible tells us that Joseph said no, day after day after day. And that sounds like a great story, right? So he's going to be repaid really well for living righteously, right? That's how it works. If I do right, everything goes good. If I live for God, my life, my, I, get, I get richer and I get healthier. And sometimes you do. And guess what? Sometimes we don't. You ever, you ever have to tell your kids, life isn't fair. How many of you tell your kids that from time to time, right? By the way, living in a sin-cursed world, sometimes life isn't fair. And you know how Joseph was repaid for standing up against the temptations of a wicked woman? He was paid, he was repaid by being thrown into prison because that wicked woman accused him of attempted rape. And her husband believed him because they were the only ones in the house. And Joseph is now thrown in prison. That was last Sunday night's message, when the dream includes injustice. When following God doesn't always seem fair. If you missed those messages, you can catch them on our podcast or online. There's a message archive if you'd like to catch up there. That brings us to where we're at today uh, in Genesis 40 and 41. And so where we have, we have a young man in his, in his mid now to mid 20s somewhere that has been thrown into prison, probably about 28 years old, been thrown into prison. He is far away from home. His budding career is now completely derailed. He's facing very serious charges that could lead to the death penalty in that culture. He's lost all his possessions. He's lost his reputation. He's lost any possibility of a future. So much for that crazy dream he had as a teenager that one day he'd be a man of great power and great influence. So much for that dream. And that's our message this morning, when the dream dies. When the dream dies, if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in Genesis chapter number 40. And, and as we look at this, I want you to see Joseph is in prison. And in chapter 40, verse number one, here come two new inmates. Genesis 40, verse number one, his dream is dead. He's left to rot in a prison. There's no one, no corroborating witness that can help him with his innocence. And here he is, never going to see family or friends again, never going to have anything good in his life again. Chapter 40, verse number one. Let's read it aloud together, shall we? Ready? Begin. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And it says that Pharaoh was angry against them. Verse three, he put them in ward with the captain of the guard into the prison where Joseph was bound. The butler... So the chief butler, which was, in, that, in, that, in those days, they had what they called a cupbearer. 
So every important person, a king, a, for us in America, it would have been a president, anybody like that, would have someone that they called their cupbearer. They were with them at every meal. And what would happen is when, when the meal would get brought out, the cupbearer would drink first out of the cup and would take a bite of the food, would taste it all to make sure that no one had poisoned to try to assassinate the leader. So the butler was Pharaoh's cupbearer. In those societies, a cupbearer was very, a, a very important, powerful position. You had a very close relationship. The, the Pharaoh had to trust you immensely. He had to trust that you were going to protect him. You had to trust him. You were willing to lay down your life for him. So that person often had the ear of the Pharaoh. He had respect of the rulers. And then there was the chief baker. So we have Joseph in prison, the cupbearer or the chief butler, and the chief baker are now in prison. We don't know what they did wrong. We don't know if, you know, he, cooked, he, he overcooked his dessert or something. We don't know why they're in prison, but they're both in prison. And so we see uh, that in prison, uh, both of them have these strange dreams. And they wake up one morning, and in Egyptian culture in these days, dreams were very significant. They believed that that's how the deity would speak to them. They, would, they, they, they wanted to know. And there were, there were magicians, there were wise men, there were people in those days that if you had a dream, you would go, I dreamt this last night, what's it mean for my life? What is this going to mean? And so they woke up, both of them had had very vivid dreams that had some similarities, and Joseph walks into prison. And he sees their countenance is sad. He sees their, and he says to them, to the butler and the baker, he said, basically, what's going on today, guys? What, what, why, why are you so sad? I mean, it's kind of a funny question. We're in prison, but they were sadder than normal, I guess. And why are you so sad? And he says, they say to him, because we had these dreams and no one can tell us what they mean. We don't have the, the dream interpreters. We don't have access to them because we're in prison. We can't find anybody. We're not going to be able to get anyone to tell us what this means, but we know they are important. And Joseph, he says, you can read this, and I would encourage you to read chapters 40 and 40. Actually, your homework, if, if you will do it from be, now to next Sunday, read chapters 40 through 45. It, you'll, you'll pick up a lot of details that I'm covering today, now that you've heard it, that will help you, and then you'll be prepared for next Sunday morning. Read chapters 40 through 45 in Genesis. But if you see it, Joseph basically says, hey guys, God's the one that can interpret dreams. It's God that tells us what that is. He said, tell me your dreams, and I'll see if maybe God will help me to interpret that dream for you. Joseph had already done this in his own life more than a decade before, and so they tell him their dreams. So we've got Joseph in a prison, no future, the dream has died, and these two guys, chief butler, cupbearer, baker, tell him his dreams. And so he says, tell me what your dream is, and I'll see if God will help me to interpret it for you. How many of you have ever had a strange dream that made absolutely no sense to you? And you're like, was that God speaking to me or was that the pizza I ate last night? What was that? By the way, if you want God to speak to you, he has given us everything we need to know in his word. Somebody said, I want God to speak to me, then read his word. But I want him to speak to me out loud, then read it out loud. <laughs> God's word, his plan, his truth for our lives is right here. How many of you have ever, you men, you've ever gotten trouble for something you did in your wife's dream? Anybody here? You woke up, and she's like, I'm, I've got, we've got to talk. I'm upset with you. You're like, what did I do? I mean, I know I did something, but what does she know that I did? Like, what happened? It was last night. We, I had one of our missionaries. They were just here, the Sheridans. They just preached in our Spanish ministry. He posted last week. He said, I woke up, and my wife was upset with me. 
And I said, what's wrong? And she said, I had a dream. You went to Arby's and you didn't take me. <laughs> so he's like, I took her to Arby's later that day. He had to make up for what he had done in his dream, in her dream. So now we have this strange dream. The butler said, here's my dream, Joseph. I dreamed there was a vine in front of me, and it had three branches, and it was blooming with clusters of grapes, and I had Pharaoh's cup in my hand like I used to, and I squeezed the grapes into the cup, and I gave it to Pharaoh. That was my dream. What do you think that means? And Joseph responds, and he says, oh, that's awesome. The vine with three branches, those three branches, those represent three days. And the grapes that were coming out, and you're squeezing them into Pharaoh's cup, what that means is, in three days, you're going to get out of prison, and you're going to get your job back, and you're going to be the cupbearer again, and you're going to have power in this kingdom again, and life's going to be good again. 72 hours, life is good. And the Bible says the butler's listening to that, I mean, the baker's listening to that, and the baker's like, oh man. Baker didn't want to tell his dream because he was scared what it said, but he was like, oh, these are good dreams. I want to know what my dream is then. Hey, Joseph. And, and Joseph said, well, tell me about your dream. And, and the baker said, he, he said, oh, I'm sorry, let me just jump right back. So after he told the butler, obviously the butler's overjoyed that he's going to be getting out of jail in three days and getting his job back. And Joseph says to him, hey, I want to let you know I don't deserve to be here in jail. I've done nothing wrong. I'm innocent. And when you get out, I need you to talk to Pharaoh for me. Would you please let him know the situation? Let him know that God is with me. Let him know that I helped you. Let him know that, I, that God gave me the interpretation, that I predicted your dream. Don't forget me. And so he says that, and then the, butler, the baker says, well, I want to tell you my dream. The baker's like, sweet, maybe my dream means I hit the lottery or something. Let me find out. Can you tell me what mine means, Joseph? And Joseph says, sure, what is it? He said, well, I had three white baskets on my head, and in the top basket were all kinds of different pastries that I used to make for Pharaoh. There were croissants and bagels, churros, sidecar donuts. All of them were up there. Can I get an amen, Pastor Jay? Right? Jay just woke up. Thank you for being here, Brother Jay. <laughs> and he said, and the birds, the birds were eating them out of the top basket. And, and he's like, can you tell me what that means? Joseph pauses for a minute, and I, I picture the baker like, this is going to be good. Hey, guys, shh, listen to this. He's going to tell me my dream. He's getting out of jail in three days. He gets his job back. I can't wait to hear what my dream is. And he says, can you tell me, what, what is it? He said, well, he said, the, uh, the three baskets on your head, they represent three days. Yeah? What happens in three days? Well, what happens in three days is Pharaoh is going to sever your head from your body. He's going to behead you and going to impale your body on a stake, and the birds of the air are going to come eat your flesh. Well, that escalated quickly. Now it's like awkward silence. The butler's like, oh man, why did I get the good dream? And I don't know what happened there, but, but, but you can imagine that wasn't a great spot. And so three days from then, as you read the story in Genesis 40, three days from then, all of those things happened. Look at verse 20 of chapter 40, please. Verse number 20, and it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker and Joseph, as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Don't miss that verse. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. 
What happened? Exactly what Joseph said would happen, happened. And I imagine Pharaoh's birthday, it's a big celebration. We're gonna, we're gonna kill one criminal. We're gonna let one criminal go free. Similar story. Remember when Jesus, uh, the, the, the one criminal go, goes free, one gets crucified. A lot of pictures of Christ in the life of Joseph. And I picture Joseph after that next day saying, okay, they're going through all the celebration. Hey, he's gonna be back in Pharaoh's ear tomorrow. And I think Joseph's waiting by the, the gate of the prison. Hey, maybe oh, someone's walking down. Oh, he probably told them. They're probably coming to get me. Oh, and he waited all day. And he waited that night and the next morning and the next night and the next morning and the next night and for a week and for a month and for two months and for three months and for six and for a year and for a year and a half. For two years. Look at verse number one of chapter 41, please. Chapter 41, verse number one, and it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. What happened? The dream was dead. His one chance, he had interpreted the dream, the guy got out, the one guy with the opportunity to talk to the man in power, he could help him, the one guy that could help him, God had brought him into prison, and now Joseph had been forgotten. The dream was dead. There was no future. No one was coming to help. But now what happens? Now Pharaoh has a dream. He dreamed that he was standing by the Nile River where cows and other animals would often go to get in the water for relief from the sweltering heat. And as he stood on the bank of the Nile in his dream, he saw seven fat, plump cows. The kind like Kobe or Wagyu beef comes from, the ones we want when we go to the steakhouse. There were seven of them. And then he sees coming out out of the Nile River in his dream, seven skinny emaciated cows. And in his dream, the seven skinny emaciated cows, they eat the seven plump healthy cows. And then he said, I woke up and I was like, what does that mean? And, and then that, that's a crazy dream. Seven skinny emaciated sickly cows eating seven really full healthy cows. What's the symbolism? What's the picture? So I went back to sleep. And when I went back to sleep, a stalk popped up, and on the stalk, seven ripe, full ears of corn popped out. And then another stalk popped out up, and it was seven uh, ears of corn that were gone. They were rotten. The wind had blown all the kernels out. And those seven ears of sickly corn ate the seven ears of healthy corn. And he said, and so Pharaoh said, I woke up, and I, I couldn't stop. And so if you continue to read in chapter 41... He says, I went to my magicians, the ones that knew mystical things and, were, and dabbled in, in, the, in those dark arts, and I told them my dream, but they didn't know it. And then I went to the wise men, and I told them my dream, and they couldn't tell me what it meant. And then all of a sudden, he's really upset. He's really frustrated. I need someone to tell me what this means. I know this isn't a coincidence. I need to know what these dreams mean. And all of a sudden... Light bulb pops up on the butler. Oh, I remember a guy. Two years ago, I had a dream. And I told him. And he told me exactly what happened. He tells Pharaoh, we had these two dreams, me and the baker. And remember, you killed your baker? And, and you let me come back? He told me that was going to happen three days before it happened. And Pharaoh brings Joseph out of the prison. He shaves his beard. He changes his clothes. He comes to meet Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, I need to know what these dreams mean. Verse, uh, chapter 41, verse number nine. Chapter 41, verse number nine. 
You can see it's where the butler tells Pharaoh all of these things. And then uh, skip down, if you will, in verse number uh, uh, 15. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, verse 15, he said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream and there's none that can interpret it. And I've heard it say of thee, I heard people say, you understand, like you can understand a dream to interpret it. Verse 16, and Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, I love this, it is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. I love that Joseph said, oh no, it's not about me, it's about the God I serve. The power's not in me, he's got the power, but tell me your dream and I'll see if I can help you. So Pharaoh tells him his dream and, and, what, um, and Joseph says to him, he says, all right, here's what it is. God's telling you what's about to happen in the world. God's telling you those seven plump cows, those are seven years of bumper crops. Seven years, you guys are going to have the biggest, um, uh, the biggest harvest you've ever had. And those seven skinny cows, those are seven years of famine coming after the seven years of plenty. Joseph said, so here's what you need to do. You need to find somebody and set them up to oversee your savings and investment portfolio. And you need to find some fund manager that's going to bring all of your crops in, store them for seven years, because no one else is going to know this is coming, and they're going to be spending and eating everything that they grow like they normally do. And you're going to have storehouses full of food. And when the seven years comes, what's going to happen is everybody's going to come to you, everyone's going to need you, and you are going to become the most powerful country in the world at that time. God's letting you know what happens. You need to find somebody that you can trust, somebody that's wise, somebody that's hardworking, somebody that knows how to handle these kinds of things. You need to put the right guy in this position because this is going to be the biggest thing that ever happened in your country. And really in the world at this point, like this is going to be, this is going to change the world. And so then what happens is in chapter 32, I'm sorry, verse 32, verse 32, he he, he tells him, this is why the dream was doubled unto you. It's because the thing in verse 32 is established by God and God's going to bring it to pass. Now find a man that's discreet and wise, put him over the land of Egypt. And then if you will, skip down to verse 38. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? He said, there's something different about that Joseph guy. Do we have anybody like that in our country? And look at verse number uh, 39. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, for as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than than thou. Amazing. For sake of time, I won't keep reading. I want to. Go back and read it, please. This is amazing. Joseph dreams dead. Injustice. Delays. Heartbreak. Wounds. Hurt. Betrayal. No future. And what happens? God uses a wicked, godless ruler to bring him out of the prison to put him over all of this. He says, there's gonna be no one in this country more powerful than you except me. You're gonna be second in power in this entire land. What kind of a plot twist is that? Who could have planned that? Did Joseph ever in his wildest dreams imagine that? Nobody could have imagined that. 
And Joseph oversees all of this during the next seven years of plenty. I'm almost done with the story, and then I'm going to give us these principles and these thoughts. Thank you for staying with me. A little different message this morning. I want you to see here, verse number 50, God then, Pharaoh gives Joseph a wife. He has a, a wife a very pow- from a very powerful family, a priestly family in Egypt. And then God gives them two sons, verse number 50. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asenath, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, bare unto him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn, what was the name of the firstborn church? Manasseh, for God said he hath made me what? Made me what? I want you to see this. We're going to come to this at the very end of the message. Manasseh, for God hath made me, what's that verb? He's made me what? forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be what, church? Fruitful in the land of my affliction. Everything happened exactly as Joseph said it would. Famine began and everyone began to run to Egypt because they heard they had storehouses of food available to buy. Look at verse 57, the last verse of chapter 41. And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn because the famine was so sore in all lands. A few key truths and lessons that we can take away from this wild story of delay, of fulfilled dreams, of crushed dreams, of disappointment, of betrayal, a few truths that we can take away. And when the dream dies, when it seems there's no future, there's no hope in sight because of something I've done or something someone's done to me, when it seems like life is delayed, I'm two years in a prison, nothing's happening, the one person I helped didn't, forgot me, completely forgot about me, there's no one left, the people in power, Potiphar wasn't going to be on his side, he thought he had tried to take advantage of his wife. Pharaoh didn't care. He doesn't know who this guy is. He's just some Hebrew slave boy. He has no future. When the dream dies, a few things we can learn from this story in these two chapters. Number one, a few reminders. Number one, some people will help, we help will hurt us in return. Some people we help will hurt us in return. He had willingly helped the butler and asked him to do what he could to help him once he got out of jail. And what happened? The butler was completely selfish and totally forgot him. Some people we help in their time of need will forget us in our time of need. Two more years of injustice and disappointment and discouragement and delay. This, my friends, is the reality of serving and loving people. And you know what happens when that happens sometimes? We help someone and they hurt us. You know what we say? I'm never helping anyone again. That's it, I'm done. I'm putting up a wall, I'm gonna protect myself. And you know what you're protecting yourself from? You're protecting yourself from true relationships, from great joy, from future fruitfulness when you do that. It's a reminder, and what happens sometimes when these things happen, we help people and then they hurt us in return. We blame God, I did right, and this is how I got repaid? I helped that person, and this is how I got repaid? And this morning, I wanna challenge you, don't blame God for man man's failures in your life. Man will and has failed you. If you stay in this church for the length of time, I will fail you on some level. But don't blame God when people fail you. And that's what happens often. Well, God, I tried to help people and, and I got hurt. God hadn't forgotten about Joseph. We know the end of the story, as we just sang. I know how this story ends. We know the end of the story. God hadn't forgotten Joseph. The butler had. 
Don't stop helping people because people hurt you. Keep helping people who are hurting like Joseph did. And when that doesn't turn into anything positive, keep doing it. Don't give up when the results don't come. Serve God in the prison. Serve God in the palace. Serve God. Do right in the prison. Do right in the palace. Do right. Trust God in the prison. Trust God in the palace. Trust God. Secondly, good reminder from this story, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Joseph's situation seemed hopeless and he was powerless to affect any change. Those in authority were against him. He was going to waste the rest of his life in prison with no thought of getting out. There were no witnesses to corroborate his claims of innocence. The dream was dead. God's plan was over, but God. No matter how powerful man is, be reminded God is more powerful. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. No matter how much control man seems to have, God has more. Proverbs 21 tells us the king's hand, heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. God sent Pharaoh two troubling dreams that led to him calling for Joseph, that led to Joseph getting out of prison, that led to a Jew being the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. Man could never have imagined that plan but God. And a Reminder to us, God can use wicked men in crazy circumstances to accomplish his purposes and his plans. Trust him. Serve him. By the way, it's not my message, but I do think it's a good, a good little thing to throw in here in an election year. 2024, aren't you excited? It's an election year. Aren't those fun? All the news and all the things and all of that. Hey, may I, may I stop and say, it, it feels like sometimes every four years, Christians forget who's really in charge and who's on the throne over all of this, and we start to look to Washington, D.C. to save us, to bring revival, spiritual. Man, our, our country's falling apart. We're going away from God. We need to vote that guy in. Oh, that godless guy that cares more about himself and all of his interests. I'm not, I don't, you don't even know what guy I'm talking about. I'm talking about every guy that runs for this office in the last 20 years. And by the way, I vote for certain people, and I vote on principles, and I vote on biblical values, and I think Christians should vote, and I think Christians should be involved in politics, but be careful. You're not looking to man in government to do what only God can do. And be careful that you don't lose your hope because the guy you voted for didn't get in, the one that you believe stands for better things, and you think, well, it's all over. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. If he can use Pharaoh to accomplish his purposes for Joseph, he can use that one you did or didn't vote for to accomplish his purposes in our lives. Christians, be careful that we don't go from trusting that God has it all under control to thinking that God is powerless if the wrong guy gets elected. We, be we seem to believe every four years that the spiritual answers for our nation lie in man's control in the government. I like what one preacher I saw posted this week. He said, whoever gets elected as the next president is irrelevant if we don't see revival in the churches and another great awakening. I'm not saying voting, petitioning, or influencing other ways isn't important, but without revival, they're just band-aids at best. I pray, we're supposed to pray for our leaders. I vote, I pray, I, we should be involved, but don't expect the White House to do what the church house isn't doing. Don't expect the White House to bring God back to America if we're not sharing our faith with others, if we're not shining the light of Christ in our communities. Stop looking for man to do what God can and realize God can use either party to accomplish his purposes. It happened here. We as God's people need to wake up and change our world and stop hoping that an unsaved politician will change our world for us. 
Number three, that was just a little commercial right there for election year. Number three, God can use prison experiences to bring us to palace opportunities. You know what's crazy? When Joseph landed in prison in his late 20s, it was probably a death sentence that meant the dream God had given him was never gonna happen. But it was in prison that God was actually coordinating things to set Joseph up to be where he needed to be for that decade-old dream to come to fruition. In fact, the death of Joseph's dream was actually the birth of God's plan to promote him to that position that would fulfill that dream. Can I say that again? The death of Joseph's dream in his mind was the birth of God's plan to promote him to fulfill the dream he had given him years earlier. It's funny how differently things can look from below and from above. Remember, we're looking at all of this from below. God's looking at it from above. Without Joseph's time in prison, he never would have met the butler. Without, without that, he wouldn't have interpreted the butler's dream. Without that, the butler wouldn't have told Pharaoh about Joseph's dream skills. Without that, Pharaoh would have never heard Joseph's interpretation. Joseph wouldn't have taken that important position. And we're going to see next week, he never would have been in position to save his family, to reunite with his family, and to help save his people, the Jewish people. He would have never been in that position. What seemed in the moment like the death of his dream was actually God working behind the scenes to fulfill the dream he had given him. It takes time. It takes faith. It takes perseverance. But your prison experience may be exactly what God uses to bring you to the palace. Isaiah said it this way, the prophet, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, I see it from above. So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You're not going to figure out all that God's doing. We sang it today, didn't we? I don't know what you're doing, but I know what you've done. So I can trust you, and I can rest in you. And I can trust and claim Romans 8:28. we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. This is not some power of positive thinking. This is not some mystical, if I dream it, God will do it. Your favor is about to break through this year, some prosperity gospel. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when it seems like God is silent and he's not working, he's still at work. He hasn't lost control. Number four, number four, if you are not dead, the dream isn't dead. How many of you understand that being 30 years old is young? And for most people, it means most of your life is still ahead of you. How, how many of us understand that? The older we are, the more we understand that, right? The ones that raise their hand first might be a little more than 30. How many of you understand at age 17, 30 is an eternity away? These baseball players right here, 30 is like great grandpa's status, right? Like 30, that's forever. 17 to 30, that's his whole adult life. And you know what, for most of his whole adult life, the dream was dead. The dream he had as a teenager was dead for most of his adult life. But you know what, if you're not dead, no matter how it looks, God's plan and purpose for your life isn't dead. As one of our guest speakers said last year, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. God still has something for you to do. No matter what delays have come, no matter what heartaches, no matter what disappointments, no matter what discouragements, God, if, God, if you're not dead and God is not dead, and by the way, he's not, his plan for your life is not dead. 
Rest in that. That's, that's the truth of this story from Joseph. Multiple times Joseph thought his God-given dream was dead, but it was not in his life. Your setback, your failure, your dashed dreams are not final. May I say this? Your permanent setbacks are shorter than you think. It's interesting. I'll meet with people that, that at times have some life-altering experience happen in their lives. I can recall one. Their family was blown apart by, by, by some great struggles and some great sin. And the first thing I said, we're going to get through this. God has victory on the other side of this. First thing I said the day of, why? Because when you're in the middle of that, there is no hope for a future. There is no hope of God re restoring. There is no hope of God redeeming. It's all over. This one's over. By the way, come back next Sunday. It's the, one of the most beautiful stories of redemption and reunion and restoration you've ever seen. And by the way, that one I'm speaking of right now that I'm thinking of, there have been many. There has been joy and fruit and, and blessing on the other side of it. But in that moment when your life is torn apart, when you've been thrown into a prison, falsely accused, and there's nothing you can do to get out of that. It feels like this is forever, but if you're not dead, the dream is not dead. Your permanent setbacks are shorter than you think. A good reminder for all of us. The commentator, R. Kent Hughes, said this, the experience of delay is written large in the lives of God's greats. Abraham's long wait for a son. Moses, 40 years in preparation in the desert. David's anointing as a, bo a boy, and then the long years of delay in the fields of Judea. And then the flight from Saul, hiding in the cave of Adullam. Hudson Taylor, who eventually founded China Inland Mission, knew the disappointment of delay. After six years of intensive service in China, he returned home as an invalid and settled with his little family in the poor east end of London. There, his outside interest faded. Friends began to forget and five long years were spent in coal-blackened streets in London. But from those years, he writes, yet without those hidden years, with all their growth and testing, how could the vision and enthusiasm of youth have been matured for the leaderships that was to be? It might feel like the dream's dead. There's no future. God can't use me. I've done too much, they've done too much, it's, the circumstances are too much, it's over. I don't know what God's doing and I don't know how he's gonna lie, guide and lead, but if you're alive, he still has a plan and he still has a purpose and he still has joy and fruit on the other side of this. Rest in him, trust in him. Lastly, I wanna close with this thought. God wants to give you forgetfulness and fruitfulness. What were the two sons' names? Manasseh, what did Manasseh mean? To forget. What did Ephraim mean? To be fruitful. Isn't that interesting? When he got out of prison, he got a wife. By the way, in prison, there was no hope of a wife. No one in that society is going to marry a guy with that on his rap sheet, if he ever got out of prison. God restored it all. He got a wife, and he has two children, Manasseh and Ephraim. And, and by the way, when we say forget, a lot of times we say forgive and what? Forgive and? Humanly speaking, that's not possible. 
We all have memories. And by the way, Joseph didn't forget, meaning he, he didn't like remember his brother's names. He didn't remember getting sold into slavery. He didn't remember the false accusation. He didn't remember the time in jail. He remembered those things. They were in his mind because we see, we'll see it next week. When he got reunited with his brothers, he left the room sobbing because the emotion was still so raw 20 plus years later. He remembered those things, but when it says, Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, what it means is, I choose not to dwell on. I choose not to be defined by. I choose not to make this the story of my life. Don't we often live in a victim society that some hurt or thing that was done to us or even our parents or our grandparents defines our whole existence? What a terrible way to live. You should not be defined by your victimhood. You should be defined by the victory God has given you over those hurts. And what happens here, he says, God has caused me to forget. Now, again, this didn't mean like, you know, the movie where they, they wipe the eyes and all your memories go away. There's no, there's no thing we can do that with. Our brains don't work that way. It didn't mean Joseph couldn't do that, couldn't remember. What it meant, Joseph was saying, I am no longer defined by my brother's betrayal. I am no longer defined by the false accusations. It, it, meant, it meant that he, he, he chose not to dwell on. What it means is God had so many blessings and joys and purpose on the other side of your broken dreams that it will make those hurts and pains fade into the past if you'll let them. I choose not to dwell on Joseph in Genesis 50 is going to say this, you, my brothers, meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I forgive you because God used your wickedness for his glory in my life. I don't hold any animosity with you guys at all, and because he had that perspective, he had achieve victory over his bad memories and any root of bitterness that may have sprung up in his life. Here's what Joseph said when his boys came, Manasseh, he said, God hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. Here's what he said, Joseph said, I'm going to focus on my new son, not my lost relationship with my brothers. By the way, at this time, he doesn't know he's ever going to see his brothers again. I'm going to focus on my new family, not sit here crying about my old family that betrayed me. What did he say here? He said, I'm going to focus on my God-given role in Egypt, not my lost opportunities in Canaan. What are you focusing on? Your hurt or God's help? What God has for you in the future or what you feel like you've lost in the past? Joseph said, you gave me Manasseh, I'm going to name him that because God, you've given me so much more purpose and new opportunities, I forget all of those hurts back there. What it meant was, doesn't mean I forget them like I could never think, if I want to, I can remember them. I'm not dwelling on them. I'm not defined by them. I'm defined by the purpose God has given me today, the joys God has given me today, the opportunities. We had a pastor preach here, a friend of mine, actually our son is working in the church that he pastored right now in Kansas. He came and he said when he lost his son, this week was six years ago to the day that he lost his son to an untimely death, married husband with two or three precious little girls, I think three. And he said this, my wife and I had to learn we could either focus on what we lost or we could focus on what we had left. And he said, I realized we had two boys, two kids still left, uh, Tyler and Tiffany. And if we spent every day of our life, and there was a, a process of grieving and mourning, and this week he posted on social media, they went to the grave and wept. They still remember what happened, but they had to come to a place, they said, if we don't focus on what we have left, we're going to, to lose any opportunities and joys with those two children that are left. We had to learn to focus on not what we had lost, but on what we had left. That's what Joseph's saying here. 
Manasseh. God gave me forgetfulness, and then what did God give him? God gave him Ephraim, fruitfulness. Ephraim, that name, it means twice fruitful. A man who wasted away in prison for years with his existence really meaning nothing is now brimming with potential, with influence, with purpose. That's the God we serve. In the midst of your prison experience, he can give you forgetfulness and fruitfulness. He can give you joy and purpose on the other side of those heartaches. When handled correctly, your biggest heartaches will eventually pale in comparison to God's bigger purposes in your life that come out of those heartaches. I want you to think about that statement, because I only have like one or two good ones every few months, and that was one of them. When handled correctly, your biggest heartaches will eventually pale in comparison to God's bigger purpose in your life that come out of those heartaches. When the dream dies, spoiler alert, it's not dead. When the dream dies, it's not dead. What is God's plan for you when you've been hurt, when you've hurt others, when you've been betrayed, when you've betrayed others, when you've been lied about, when you've been left alone? You know what God's plan is? Forgive, Joseph did. Forget, I choose not to dwell on. I won't be defined by and be fruitful. God, I'm going to, like Paul, forget the things which are behind and press forth, press forth toward the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to reach forth. I'm going to press toward the mark. I'm going to be fruitful. That's what he's saying here. He, he, Joseph is saying what Paul said in the New Testament. Paul, who, the one who had, who had consented to the death of Christians, the murderer, the one that hated, hated Christians, became the, one of the greatest preachers to ever walk the face of the earth. What did Paul say? I forget and I reach forth. Forgetting and fruitfulness. Uh, my life is not going to be defined by those things. So here, here's our challenge. Will you allow God to give you the gift of forgetfulness and fruitfulness because you choose to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? Today we saw when the dream dies, it didn't. Joseph's dream isn't dead. It took a 20-plus year detour, but it's as alive as ever. And we're going to see that next week, one of the most beautiful stories of redemption and restoration and reunion. Don't miss next Sunday. And this week, keep helping people even when you're hurt in return. Keep helping people even when you're hurt in return. Don't blame God for man's failures. Remember the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Remember that God can use that prison experience to bring us to palace opportunities. If you're not dead, the dream isn't dead. And God can and wants to and will give you forgetfulness and fruitfulness. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.